Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation. Just like that, training camp is a wrap. Seems like it's been going on for a very long time. Well, the reason it feels like that is, well, because it has been going on for a very long time. Of course, the Raiders get their preseason wrapped up on Friday with their fourth game going up against the New England Patriots, who, of course, only have three. But since the Raiders were in the Hall of Fame game, they have the extra game. But, yeah, it seems like it's been going on for a very long time. Wide receiver Mac Hollins said earlier today it feels like it's been going on for about 40 days. I believe it was Mac Hollins that said that. It was one of the players that said that that we met with after after practice today. And it has seemed like it's been going on for a very long time. But that's the beauty of it. That's the grind that you go through as you prepare for an upcoming season. And now it is done. Next week they'll just be in regular practice mode and preparing for the upcoming season. Of course, on Tuesday they cut down their roster from 80 to 53. But training camp as we know it is done deal records tomorrow they'll have a walkthrough and friday they'll have their final preseason game of course today was the second day of joint practices against the new england patriots and off top i'll just say that uh i believe that new england did a lot better <laughs> than they did on uh, tuesday did a lot better today but i think the raiders still did some really good things and i think that the raiders really started to show you know everyone who they are and, and i mean i don't mean the whole nfl but there's a lot of media in town from New England. I think that they started to realize, like, hey, you know what? I just think that this, t- this team is going to be a really good team. You know, I, I know at one point in practice I'll stand next to Vinny Bonsignor, as I normally do, and I said, Doc, I think that at some point people just have to understand, this is just a good team, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they have obviously some areas that they're still trying to improve, but all in all, the team is just a good team. You know, there's multiple people that I talk to throughout the course of practice. I like to get different people's opinions. It's not all about what I think, but I like to hear what other people think. And um, I've said this before on the show many times that training camp this year looks way different than it did last year. But I like to pick the brains of folks that have been there, done that for multiple years. And about four or five different people I talked to today all said that the attention to detail is what is glaring as the huge difference when it comes to this coaching staff to oppose to what we saw last year last year, and what they saw before that. So uh, I, I think that from a guy's point of view that is there and has been there at training camp every single day, I, I feel very confident in coming and saying, Raider Nation, you have a team that looks really good. I, I think that that's the bottom line. We could break down X's and O's. We could break down who's playing where, who's doing what, what this person's technique looks like. We could do all that, and it sounds good. But at the end of the day, what's the, what's, what do you care about the most? Is the team good? Do you think the team has a chance to be good? And there's no doubt about it on both sides of the ball, the Raiders have a chance to be good. And they showed that again today during joint practices with the Patriots. And again, like I said, I think the Patriots did better than they did yesterday. But that doesn't mean that the Raiders did a bad job. It just means that the Patriots, as we all expected, uh, decided to go into the lab, make a few changes, and make a few adjustments, as you knew Bill Belichick was going to do, and attack the Raiders in a different way. But Max Crosby still looks really good. Max Crosby still looks like Max Crosby. Chandler Jones looks really good. He still looks like Chandler Jones. You know, there's a few defensive plays that I saw that I thought were really good, like Jonathan Abram getting a pick six, uh, you know, seeing a couple other uh, plays that were made like that, some big-time plays. Uh, I just think that the, the Raiders' defense was where it needs to be, and the offense is the offense. 
right? On back-to-back plays, you saw Devontae Adams catch a, a touchdown pass, a deep touchdown pass from Derek Carr. And on the very next play, you saw Mac Hollins do the same thing, just on the other side of the field. And it was so funny because on the first play, Devontae Adams catches a touchdown, and he throws it. He throws the ball. He runs through the end zone, throws the ball, and it goes into the weight room right, at the, at the facility, and then on the very next play, Mac Hollins catches it, and he does the same thing and throws it to the facility. But after practice, when we talked to Mac Hollins, he said, hey, look, Devontae Adams has a lot more money than I do, so when he threw it into the weight room, there was a guy sitting there on the computer. I don't think he hit him, but if he did, Devontae Adams could afford to pay for it. I'm not on the same pay scale as Devontae Adams, so I made sure I threw the ball to the side. He's all, it looked good. He said, Devontae Adams has a 99 rating, so it looked good, so I thought I should do it too. But I did realize that there's a guy in there. I'm not going to throw it like that because my money don't look like uh, Devontae Adams' money. So I thought that that was pretty funny. But, Damon, you heard a lot of the press conferences that came in uh, following practice, and you heard the guys talking about having joint practices. If it was Trayvon Merrick, uh, if it was uh, Mac Hollins, uh, didn't Chandler Jones talked about having joint practices. From what it sounded like from your, your point of view, from the players' standpoint, how, how, how much do you think that they grew as a unit with these two days of joint practices? For me, I think it just confirms what you said. Like, hey, this team is good. How like you said, like, the media's got to take take notice of this. Like, some of the New England guys, maybe they didn't know how good this Raiders team is, but for them playing that against another team, seeing some competition, the ones particularly, they can say, man, we're better than we think. Or maybe it's right along schedule, but it's that confirmation of, hey, man, we got a pretty good team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, of course, we'll get into it. We'll deep dive. We'll hear from Josh McDaniels. We'll hear from different players that uh, talk today. But just all in all, as a brief summary, and, again, what matters the most to me is being able to come back and say, yeah, this team has an opportunity to be really good. We know the areas that still need improvement. We know the areas that are still works in progress. I don't think I'm breaking any news. But for the most part, this is a good team that the Raiders are going to put out on the field in 2022 coming up on the show today the guest that we have very excited about our guest lineup we're locked and loaded as we are every single day continuing to raise the bar around here jim mcbride from the boston globe he'll join us at 2 30 we'll talk about the patriots and the raiders uh, joint practice day two and really what's the differences in what he saw on tuesday as opposed to what he saw today and what he thinks about this raiders team he's a guy that covers the patriots but i saw a lot of the patriot beat writers say looking and like yeah this Raiders team is pretty good. Also, head coach Josh McDaniels talked early this morning about 8.15, and uh, a lot of the Boston reporters were in the media session, so I want to get his thoughts on head coach Josh McDaniels, what Raider Nation should expect from Josh McDaniels as a head coach. And I'll say this, and at some point we'll play it uh, on the show. He had an answer, and I don't even remember what the question was, but somehow I think it had to do with Denver, and it was a Boston reporter that asked the question. And he, he was answering it, and Josh McDaniels gives us very good answers. He was answering it, and finally he came to a point where he said, I'm just at peace with myself. He just said, I'm at peace with myself. I know who I am. I know who I'm not. And I could delegate certain things that know better, the, the guys that know better than me, uh, I could delegate these you know, tasks to them. But the part that caught my attention was, I'm just at peace with myself. I think that that is so massive of a statement. If you're at peace with yourself, it doesn't matter what you do in life. It's so much easier to do that and, and, and also live with the, you know, the results as long as you have peace within yourself. And everyone doesn't have that. And I think that when Josh McDaniels was a head coach at Denver, he was kind of on edge. He was a guy that was trying to be someone that he wasn't in Bill Belichick. He was really trying to be probably Billy Badass, and it just wasn't the case, right? He just couldn't be that guy. 
But after you grow, and this is what we all do in life, we all, or at least we all want to grow. We all want to grow and, and, and you know, get better as people. At some point in life, you either, you either get it or you don't. And I feel like Josh McDaniels, as a coach and as a man, I feel like he's at peace with himself. Like he mentioned earlier today, I thought that really stood out to me as, as something where, you know, hey, he's confident. He wants to win. He wants to be the best, of course. I mean, everybody does. But he's also, he's also very, very confident in, in what, he, what he's doing and, and, like I said, has peace with himself. So, Damon, I think you pulled that soundbite for us already. You got that already? All right. Johnny on the spot, my man Damon, doing big, big things in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's Josh McDaniels earlier today talking about, I don't even know what the question was, but ultimately getting to be, having peace with himself. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, I feel, like I said, I'm at peace with the way we're trying to do it. Um, I, I know this. I can only do what I can do and what I know how to do well. Um, and I think that being able to just, you know, uh, defer to someone else who knows better than I do in certain situations, uh, be a resource for other people um, is really my number one job. Um, and try to lead our team each day and provide them with a plan for the day so we can be suc- successful. Um, you know, that's really what I'm trying to be good at. And we got a lot of people around me that are really good at their jobs. And so I, I know that I'm very aware of that and, uh, trying to use, you know, every one of them to the, the best of their ability, um, and, and, you know, let them do their jobs very well. And so, um, like I said, I come in knowing what I have to do and what I can do to help us each day. And, and I think our staff does a great job of, of helping me along the way. So Josh Medano's right there, and he said it again. There was another time uh, in the presser, and I don't know where it was. It was a very long presser because <laughs> there were so many questions that was asked to him. They actually had to uh, basically cut it, shut it down at some point just because there were so many questions being thrown at him from Boston media and also uh, Raiders media, which is expected. You know, they're all in town, so that's how it's supposed to be. But, uh, there, I mean, just I, I feel very confident what Josh McDaniels is doing and the way he's leading this team and, and his coaching and what the Raiders are going to get in him. So when we talk to Jim McBride coming up at 2.30, I'll ask him about, you know, Josh McDaniels, what his responses were uh, to the questions he was asked today and how much he's he, he's – seeing him grow from a guy that's been covering the Patriots for a very long time uh, from where he was to where he is right now. So I think that'll be a fun conversation coming up at 2.30. Jim McBride from the Boston Globe. At 3 o'clock, one of my favorite people to talk to, Beth Mowens. She's on all the preseason uh, calls. She's on there with Rich Gannon and Matt Millen. Does a fantastic job. Uh, Always enjoy talking to Beth and uh, got an opportunity to talk to her. I was uh, there at practice, and uh, we probably talked to each other for about 15, maybe even 20 minutes today uh, while we were watching practice. And it's so funny because she said, man, Q, I remember when you were – uh, in Central Texas, and now here you are. You know, you're in Vegas covering, you know, the team that you grew up a fan of. It was just, it was really fun because, again, the first time I ever met Beth was she was calling a softball game at Baylor, and I was doing the, I was doing the in in, in stadium PA, and so I looked over and I was like, oh, that's Beth Mowens calling a softball game. So I went and introduced myself, and that's how we became friends, and we've been friends ever since. So she's she's great people. So we just sat there and talked some football, uh, talked some Raiders for about 15 or 20 minutes, and uh, there was a lot of observations she had as well from this practice and this training camp opposed to other training camps that she's been around for and other practices she's been around for. And, you know, she brought up Derek Carr uh, winning the – 
winning the starting quarterback job his rookie year in that game four, that preseason game. And I was like, yeah, I remember it was against Seattle, and we're going back and forth on that. And so uh, just a lot, of, a lot of memories about the Raiders, but also a lot of observations about this upcoming Raiders team and what they need to do. And, you know, we talked a couple keys to the key, keys to the success of the Raiders yesterday on the show. Well, we talked about some keys to success for the Raiders as well between me and Beth. So that's going to be a fun conversation. We'll have that coming up at 3 o'clock. Demond's just chilling. Oh, no, I was going to say, did you save anything for the interview? Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like like you guys had the entire interview at practice today. No, this was just a couple friends chopping it up, man. You know, and that's – but I'm telling you, Demond, and unfortunately you're not able to be out there because you're doing uh, a lot of work behind the scenes. But this is what I do, man. I'll sit there and I'll observe practice, but I'll stand there and I'll talk. Like Eric Allen yesterday was the one I was talking to for a while. Mark McMillan I'm talking to. Vinny I'm always talking to. And then, you know, other folks that come into town, I'll talk to them as well. Like Beth was the one I was talking to today. And uh, Jason Horowitz, I got to talk to him for a while today as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're out there for a couple hours. So we're observing practice, and I'm paying attention to practice. And apparently I'm paying attention um, – According to one person, they tweeted at me. I guess I made a cameo on the Pivot podcast. I didn't realize it, but apparently I was on the Pivot podcast, and they tweeted a picture. Uh, that was when Ryan Clark and, and uh, Fred Taylor and company were, were in town, and their video crew was rolling, and I guess they caught me you know, watching practice. So someone said, man, Q's hovering over practice like he's a damn GM. You know, so, <laughs> But that's just what I do. So we're always paying attention to practice, but at the same time, it's like talking to someone who's next to you. And, oh, did you see that? Or, hey, what do you think about this? Or what are your expectations? So that's kind of how the whole thing goes. So, yeah, it was just it was just some good conversation. So, yeah, we got plenty to talk to Beth with coming up at 3 o'clock. I'm excited about that conversation. Oh, and I got to add something, like, because I saw it on Twitter and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Remember a few days ago, like, towards the end of the show, I said, hey, a player that could have that breakout performance like Hunter Renfro had, like, if people were saying this person yeah. was, was on a tear at camp today in this joint practice. When I saw that Jonathan Abram got that interception, yeah. for me that was like maybe this could be he's turning the corner. That right. was the one player that got me excited because J.I. Brown, he had two yesterday supposedly. Right. It's like, okay, good. He's in the right spots. We saw in that preseason game he almost pulled down one, and I want to say maybe it was the second preseason game. Yeah, yeah, against Minnesota. Der- uh, Deron Harmon, uh, he tipped the ball, and it almost uh, J.I. Brown almost got it. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, he's been in those right spots. But when I just seen that tweet about Jonathan Abram, yeah. I was like, hey, man. This could be the year for him. It was a really good play by John, and, and, you know, this is something I was talking to Jason Horowitz about, is Patrick Graham is going to play Jonathan Abram where he's most successful, right? I mean, we know what Jonathan Abram's good at, and we know what he's not good at. So why would you ever put him in a position to fail? You know, why would you ever put him in a position to do what he's not good at? It, never, it doesn't make any sense. So one of my big questions when Patrick Graham took over as the defensive coordinator is, how was he going to use him? Well, what we've seen is he's playing by the close to the line of scrimmage, and that's how he can make plays. I've seen screen passes that the Patriots tried to run. John Abram was right there on top of it. I've seen little swing passes. I've seen, you know, short little slants. I've seen John Abram make a bunch of plays because he's in the right position. We saw last season under Gus Bradley, he was put in the right position to succeed, and he did. He got injured, unfortunately, but he was in the right position. If you put him in the right position and don't ask him to be who he's not, he has a chance to succeed, but Demond, I can say that for everybody, right? You know, yeah, what I mean? that's every player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't don't put a wide receiver in to be quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, don't put Derek Carr out to be Darren Waller. He's not, but he could throw the ball. But he's not going to be the guy that's going to be a tight end. And I, I know that's extreme, but it's no, the it's same. not. The Broncos had to do that. It was that two seasons right? Ago? And you saw how bad that was. You see how bad that turned out. They were hoping to cancel the game. 
You know, I mean, and, and I reference this all the time. Richard Sherman said it a long time ago. You know, why the Seattle Seahawks were so successful, why the 49ers were successful when he was there is because they allowed a wheel to be a wheel. You know what I mean? If you are a wheel, damn it, be the best wheel you could be. Don't try to be the engine. And if you're an engine, don't try to be the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, it's play your role and do the best you can at what you're supposed to do. And once and if you do that and everyone else does what they're supposed to do and they're good at, you should have a pretty good team. It's really not – even I can even do this kind of math. I'm not the mathematician, but I can even do this kind of math. It's simple. One plus one equals two. It doesn't matter what way you look at it. Backwards or forward, it's still two. It's simple math. So I think if Patrick Graham continues to use Jonathan Abram the way he is in practice, what we see in the training camp, he'll be just fine. What does that mean for his future? I have no idea. None of that matters. I don't think that anyone at Raider Nation is worried about what that means for the future. I think Raider Nation cares about right now. I could be wrong, but I think Raider Nation cares about right now and see what this team could end up doing. We'll ask Beth about Jonathan Abram and see what her thoughts are on him. Coming up at 3.30, Ben Fennell from uh, NFL Network. He covers the draft and the combine. He put out a tweet the other day, late last week, as a matter of fact. We tried to get him on the show, but he, uh, we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, so uh, we decided to, to link up today. He put out a tweet about Dylan Parham and the fact that he was very high on him coming into the draft, you know, as he was scouting for the draft. And, look, Ben does a great job of scouting. Uh, he, You know, he, he takes a look at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he does all that good stuff. And I know it sounds late for a draft conversation, but since Dylan Parham has been playing multiple positions, all three of the interior positions on the offensive line, and he put that tweet out just the other day, I said – you know what? I want to get his thoughts on Dylan Parham. You know, we saw him at left guard. We saw him getting burned at left guard against the Patriots. We saw him getting burned at left guard against the Patriots again today. So what that tells me is that they're looking at him at left guard. John Simpson's getting burned as well, but right now the rookie Dylan Parham is in front of him. Does that mean that he's going to be the starting left guard? No. That means that they still have some time between now and September 11th to decide what they're going to do. But they have confidence to go ahead and put him out there as the first team in joint practices, I think that tells you a lot, right? And then, of course, he's done center. He's also played the right guard spot. So right now, Dylan Parham, even though he's a rookie, he's learning all three positions, how to play it, not just play it in general, but play it in the NFL. And also, it goes back to how we keep saying that how important these joint practices are. Yeah. These joint practices may be a little bit more important to see where Dylan Parham is on his, on his progression rather yep. than Jonathan Simpson because it's a player, hey, he's been in the NFL, he's coming off of injury, but you know what kind of player he is. Yeah. But for Dylan Parham, this is his first first time going up against some solidified number ones on that other side. Exactly. So we'll talk to Ben Fennell at a 3.30 from uh, NFL Network, and he covers the draft and does the combine and the senior bowl and all that good stuff. He's just really deep when it comes to all things NFL draft. So we'll talk to him about Dylan Parham. We'll also ask him about uh, Thayer Munford. You know, because Thayer Munford was the guy that the Raiders drafted in the seventh round, so we'll see and get his thoughts on Thayer. And I'll take it a step further and ask him his thoughts on Alex Leatherwood, what he thought about him just a year ago when he came out in the first round as the number 17 overall pick by the Raiders. And what is his best position? Because, you know, at the end of the day, his best position might not be tackle at all. It might be guard. He might be a guy that ends up kicking inside the guard. I mean, you just don't know. I think right now the – Raiders organization, the front office, and the coaching staff is, is doing everything they can to figure out exactly where his best position is. But ultimately, it might not be tackle at all. It could end up being the guard position. So we'll ask Ben about that as well coming up at 3.30. And then 4 o'clock, it is alumni weekend. 
So there's going to be over 300 members of the Silver and Black, current or former members of the Silver and Black in town. They're going to be at the game on Friday. They're going to basically hold the whole win nightclub area of Allegiant Stadium, just like the Raiderettes did uh, a couple weeks back or back when they played the, what, Minnesota uh, at Allegiant Stadium. So they're going to be holding that down. There's going to be over 300 members of uh, Raider Nation or the, the Raiders uh, alumni there, and the Raiders do a great job with their alumni, probably the best job in the league. We'll have Steve Wisniewski, former offensive lineman, Big-time guard, eight-time Pro Bowler for the Raiders. You know, he was one-time an assistant coach with the Raiders on the offensive line. We'll get his thoughts on, well, the Raiders and the way that they treat alumni. We'll talk Cliff Branch with them and him going into the Hall of Fame. And then we'll also talk offensive line. You know, he was an eight-time Pro Bowler. What does that take? What does it take to be that dude? Now, he did it at the guard position, but, you know, maybe he could chime in on what he thinks Dylan Parham is, you know, what, what, what his strengths are, where his weaknesses may be. I mean, again, when you're an eight-time Pro Bowler, you're as good as Steve Wisniewski, one of the best offensive linemen that I remember seeing. I mean, this dude was – he played whistle to whistle, and a lot of times he played through the whistle, and I could appreciate that, especially as an offensive lineman, man. You got to have that nasty. Well, Steve Wisniewski definitely had that nasty, so he'll join the show coming up at 4 o'clock. So uh, another day, a bunch of star-studded affair. We have Jim McBride at 2.30, Beth Mullins at 3, Ben Fennell at 3.30, and Steve Wisniewski coming up at 4 o'clock. So now that you know the lineup for the show, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Got a text message already on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got it from Just Win Wendy. She said, I'm all in on John Abram this year. Mentioned to people he already has three interceptions at two seasons. He has been quiet and humble and just works hard, makes plays. C. Wood, I truly am rooting for 24 this year. Again, that's from Just Win Wendy, and I don't think there's any reason not to root for, for uh, Jonathan Abram. I think everyone in Raider Nation really loves his spirit. I think they love his energy. I, I know everyone loves to see him come deliver a, a hard hit on somebody. You know, he's just been – in bad positions, tough positions, or hasn't been available so far throughout the course of his career. So it hasn't, it hasn't translated the way you'd want it to, especially from a guy who was a former first-round pick. So, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone's rooting for John Abram, and I think that if he's going to shine, it's, it's going to be because Patrick Graham is going to put him in a really good position to succeed. And, you know, you got Trayvon Merrick on the back end, Jerron Harmon on the back end, and Jonathan Abram playing up somewhere near the, the line of scrimmage or whatever mix and match they decide to do with those safeties. I'm good with that. You know, if they run it like they did last year with uh, Gus Bradley, you know, have the single high guy, fine. I, I feel confident Trayvon Merrick can, uh, can go out there and make those plays. But I do think you'll see Jerron Harmon on the field a lot, and I think that you'll find a way to get John Abram on the field as well with them. You know, I mean, uh, again, I don't know how they're going to mix it up and how they're going to, uh, you know, place the personnel, but I do expect to see those guys out there with an opportunity to make plays more times than not. But what I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to focus in on, the question that I wanted to ask you here uh, as we really get things started on this show today, it's so funny. Every time I look up, no matter what I'm doing, I look up and somebody's talking about the Raiders, right? And it's always someone national. So this morning I'm recording a podcast about 6 o'clock this morning with Lee Sterling. I was recording my Locked On Bets podcast with him. And I look up and they're talking about the Raiders' offense and the potential of the Raiders' offense on ESPN. I, was, I think I was watching Get Up. Uh, it's, it's, my TV stays on ESPN, so I don't always know what show it is, but I just know it's ESPN. It's like I, my TV has two channels, ESPN 1 and ESPN 2. Oh, and NFL Network, so three channels. But anyway, uh, for the most part, it stays on, 
on uh, ESPN. So they were talking about the Raiders' offense and the potential. They were talking about Devontae Adams and what he had to say on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark, something that you'll hear a few sound bites from later on in the show. And they just kept asking, you know, what's the potential? And they looked at the numbers, just the numbers from what the Raiders did in 2021. They were 18th in points scored per game. Points per game, the Raiders ranked 18th out of the league. So out of 32 teams, they ranked 18th. Yards per game, passing yards per game, they ranked 6th. So think about this. Remember we talk about the red zone all the time? They were able to move the ball up and down the, the field with no problem. But when it came to points, they weren't able to punch it in the end zone, so they had to settle for field goals. So, again, that's how they ended up being ranked 18th points per game, 18th out of 32. Rushing yards. Rushing yards was not good. They were ranked 28th out of 32 teams in rushing yards per game. And we know, Damon. I mean, we, how many times did we, we talked to Josh Jacobs last season and he said, I, I don't have anywhere to go? He didn't have anywhere to run until the last four, four games of the season, right? Yeah, so 28th, it doesn't surprise me at all because you mentioned those last four games, but everything up until that point was looking pretty rough. Yes, it was looking really bad, really bad. So the question I ask you, Raider Nation, I'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200, also the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. With the additions this team has made this year, and let's just assume, and I know assuming is dangerous, but let's just assume the offensive line is good enough. I'm not saying great. Not saying fantastic, I'm saying good enough. Good enough to execute Josh McDaniel's offense. Where do you think this team is going to rank statistically? I normally don't ask a bunch of stats, but I just I found this to be intriguing when I saw they were ranked 18th points per game a season ago. They've got to be higher than that, right? If you're going to try to win the AFC West, that's the number one goal. Obviously, you just want to make the playoffs, but just you want to win the AFC West. If you're going to win that, your points per game has got to be better than 18th. Passing yards was great. Being ranked sixth out of 32 teams, that's fantastic. But you're not punching it in. So that goes back to the red zone. So where do you see them, them rank? Points per game, yards per game passing, and yards rushing per game. Those are the three categories I want to know. A year ago, they were 18th, 6th, and 28th. Not good. Not good, especially the rushing and the, and the points. Passing yards was fine. <laughs> Passing yards was fine, and Derek Carr didn't even have uh, a huge arsenal all season long to work with. Lost Henry Ruggs, lost Darren Waller, had Hunter Renfro, and they still were ranked six yards per game when it comes to passing. So, Raider Nation, let, it, let, it, let us hear about it. 702 365 9200. Salmon Ash text line is 69187. Keyword is RNR. Coming up next. We'll have Jim McBride from the Boston Globe. He'll join us to talk about the second day of joint practices for the Raiders and the Patriots. What stood out to him as different than what he saw a day ago. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. My man Mike sent a tweet over saying, happy to hear McDaniels is at peace. We'll see if this fake humility continues when the honeymoon is over and the first rough patch comes. Tigers don't change their stripes. That's from Mike on Twitter. Join us now on the phone lines is Jim 
McBride from the Globe, the Boston Globe. And, Jim, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And you probably heard the tweet right there from Mike talking about Josh McDaniels. He met with the media this morning. Uh, what did you think about what McDaniels had to say, knowing what he was in New England to where he sounds like he's at right now with the Raiders? Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, I think he was being honest. I think he is at peace. I think, you know, his, I think he's going to be a tremendous success out here in Vegas. Um, you know, he, he's kind of following in, in, in Bill Belichick's footsteps. And, you know, Bill's learned a lot in his, his uh, first time coaching when he was with the, with the Browns. Uh, Josh obviously learned a lot during his first round as, as a head coach in Denver. You know, neither, neither one was particularly successful, but, um, you saw Bill has, has had great success in his second chance, and I think I think Josh will too. I think he's, you know, he's a meticulous guy, um, not afraid to delegate authority, and uh, I think that that's, that's, that will bode well for this franchise. I think they got a winner. From what you know about Josh McDaniels, what makes him tick? What makes him go and really be the guy that he is as such an elite play caller, in my opinion? Yeah, quest for perfection. You know, he'll you know he's he's one of those guys that'll say nothing's ever perfect. No practice was ever perfect. No game was ever perfect. But that's not going to stop him from trying to find that one perfect game where where he makes every single call uh, the correct one, and you know he just puts his his team in the best position to win. So I think that 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 sense of perfection drives him. Um, just the way it, it drove uh, Coach Belichick, and just the way it Coach it, it, it drove Tom Brady when when Josh and Tom, and Tom uh, formed such a potent pair in New England. Talking right now with Jim McBride from the Boston Globe. You can find Jim on Twitter at Globe Jim McBride. And I uh, wanted to ask you your diff- what you thought were the differences today from the practice, the joint practices that you saw, to what you saw yesterday, where it felt like, at least to me, that the Patriots came back with a different kind of approach and, and really had a pretty good day as well. Yeah, I thought yesterday's uh, practice was pretty lackadaisical on on both for both teams, and I don't know whether that was um, a product of, of both of them flying across country on Sunday. I know the, the, the um, Raiders were in Miami, and the Patriots were obviously in New England, and in the kind of the heat. I mean, it, it was it was pretty impressive yesterday. So uh, there wasn't a lot of energy. Uh, things looked sloppy, especially for the Patriots' offense uh, until until late in the session. But I thought they came out crisper today. Um, you know. Both teams had a lot more energy. Um, the Patriots' offense was was much better. Um, I, I just thought that Mac Jones was more in sync with his receivers, uh, and I, I think a product of that is, is probably a third straight day in the heat and kind of getting used to this this these conditions. Because you know, the Patriots don't Patriots practice in warm weather. Don't get me wrong, but it's never you know <laughs> it's never 105, 110 degrees the way it is uh, you know uh, out in Henderson. So. I think it took some, some getting used to, and I think that's why that, that today's practice was, it was definitely an uptick in energy and execution uh, by, the, by the Patriots today. Speaking of getting used to, obviously the Patriots are trying to employ a new offensive scheme. Mac Jones is a new offensive coordinator and play caller, and uh, right now in, uh, Matt Patricia's calling the plays. I mean, just how, how do you see that developing, and how do you see that coming along? Yeah, it's a process. Uh, you know, that the Bill Belichick has used the word himself that it's, the offense is a little streamlined, and I think that the whole idea behind it was to get them playing quicker and to get the ball into the playmakers' hands quicker. Um, and I think that's that's been the work in progress. Uh, and you know, obviously, they're going to take their lumps when you when you go into it with a new quarterback coach, a new offensive coordinator. Um, though they don't have one in name, it's kind of a it's kind of a three headed monster with with Bill and, and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. 
Um, that's, that's just going to take some getting used to. And I think that, you know, a lot of the athletes talk about getting 1% better every day. And I think this team and this offense has gotten better every day. They're, they're certainly a far cry from where they were after having Josh there for 20 years, uh, the same system. But um, I think they'll get there. There's too much talent um, in, 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 at the skill position and, and on that line for them to struggle for too long. I know that they have Nelly Aguilar. Of course, Raider fans know him very well from his year that he spent with the Raiders. Uh, Tyquan Thornton was the guy that I covered at Baylor. He's out for a while with the injury. Who else would you say would be the big-time playmakers right now for the Patriots? Yeah, I think the best receiver all summer has been Jacoby Myers, who was an undrafted guy a couple of years ago, uh, really kind of grew into a, a slot role the last two years, and last year really gained a lot of Mac Jones' trust. Uh, He's, he's a fearless guy over the middle. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He doesn't run the best routes. He's just always in the right place, and he's got really reliable hands, and he's fearless. He doesn't mind going across the middle. He knows he's going to take some shots, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect his play. Like, he doesn't shy away from contact. And uh, that, that relationship has continued. He, he made a couple of great contested touchdown catches today in, in the practice. Um, so I think he's, he's probably been the, the best playmaker all summer. Another guy that's intriguing is Devontae Parker, who they, you know, they, mm. they got in a trade from the Dolphins uh, in the spring. Um, he's also built a, a, a bit of chemistry with Mac. He's a bigger guy. He's a, um, you know, a guy that, that goes up for those 50-50 balls and, 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 generally speaking, wins those 50-50 balls, which hasn't been the case for the Patriots in a while. They haven't had the, the kind of that big downfield 50-50 guy, you know, um, like like a Randy Moss. I mean, right. Devontae doesn't have Randy Moss's speed, but um, that kind of downfield threat. Talking all things Patriots right now with Jim McBride from the Boston Globe here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Jim, a lot of talk has been made about Mac Jones and his new offense and having to learn a new system, not having an actual offensive coordinator, but how much is he actually getting better with having to learn all these new things and get used to all these new coaches? Yeah, it's 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 a work in progress, which is what they'll tell you. But and, and we've seen flashes. Um, I think the thing about Mac that that always impressed me, even when when he was a rookie, was that he made mistakes, but he he rarely made them twice. He he kind of corrected himself quickly. Um, you know, a lot of that was was Josh challenging him a lot as a rookie to you know to to get his head in the playbook and to not make those same mistakes. And I think a lot of those kind of philosophies were have have carried over to the new new system, you know, with, with Joe Judge, with Matt Patricia. You know, Bill is still the, um, you know, the, the one constant in that franchise for the last 20-plus years. So Mac's ability to learn and, and not regress, um, not take steps back. He's always taking a step forward. Um, that, that's what really impressed me about him. He's kind of a, he's kind of a, a, a young guy, but he's got an older head on his, on his shoulders. And I think that bodes well when you're, when you're looking for a leader on offense especially. Yeah, and he's got to be a leader of this team with Josh McDaniels gone, and he did make the Pro Bowl last season, but how much more is going to be expected of him? Let's say numbers-wise, he only had 22 touchdowns. Is more going to be expected of him just on production in the field? Yeah, probably. You know, he, it was, it was a kind of a whirlwind for Mac last year. You know, he came, he was a first-round pick, but the Patriots had an established daughter in Cam Newton, and, you know, when Bill had made that clear, even when he was drafted, that Cam was the incumbent, he was the starter. And Matt quietly went out and won that job in the summer. Um, now he doesn't really have to take a backseat to anyone. So you see those leadership skills coming to, to to the forefront a lot quicker than you did last year. Like he, you know, he was he was firm last year, but he was still a rookie, and it's kind of hard to 
you know, it was kind of hard to rally the veterans when you're when you're a fresh faced kid like that. But he earned their respect, and I think he came into camp this year knowing, hey, this is my team. I'm not looking over my shoulder at a, a you know a competition, and I think that has not only translated to his leadership skills, but it's made him a more confident player. And despite the fact that they're going through a, a change in offense, he's not a guy that's going to get frustrated. They still look to him as a leader. Talking right now with Jim McBride from the Boston Globe here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Jarrett Stidham, he is the backup quarterback. They just traded away Nick Mullins, so Jarrett Stidham wins that job. Shouldn't be a big surprise. They traded with the Patriots to get him. What did you get to see from Jarrett the last couple of days as opposed to what you know from Jarrett when he was there in New England? Yeah, kind of a lot of the same stuff. You know, he's um, Jarrett never really um, never really got a firm uh, spot uh, in, in New England. You know, he, back, he backed up Tom Brady. He backed up Cam Newton. Um, he, the, the opportunities just weren't there for him. And unfortunately, when they were there, he was dinged up a lot. So, um, you know, he's kind of inconsistent in a, in a lot of practices. Um, and I, he just he just never was able to seize his opportunities. And they were limited. I'm not saying that he had a, a ton of chances because right. he was playing behind two former MVPs. But he was never, when, when Cam was injured last year, uh, two years ago the, during the COVID scare, he had to miss a game. You know, the team went to Brian Hoyer, and Brian struggled. And, and then they went to, to Jarrett, and he was never able to, make the most of those opportunities. And I think that's uh, that and his injury history really kind of doomed him in New England. So uh, glad to see he's getting a fresh start out here. Um, really, really nice kid. And, uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll do fine as, as the backup here. You know, I always look at him and, and think as a guy that'll make a, a lot of nice, good plays. He has a strong arm, of course. He's had a strong arm since high school. But then he'll make a play where you just kind of you don't you want to bang your head against the wall, like, no, you. How did you not see that, right? I mean, it just it seems like he'll he'll stack together a bunch of plays, and then he'll have one bad play that'll make you say, okay, that's why he's still the backup. And then, like you said, the injuries. Is it just a lack of consistency with Jared? Is is that what you've been seeing from him? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. It, it was just inconsistency. He he just could never string together. You know, they, a lot of the a lot of time in New England, they talk about stacking days together uh, in the spring and in the OTAs. Uh, and he, Jerry was just never able to stack those days together. Whether it was uh, a, a nagging injury here or something more serious, you know, he had a back problem at one point. He just could never stack those days together to kind of build that foundation that you need in any position, but especially when you're the field general. It's interesting because we are now starting to hear that phrase here in Vegas as well. Another player that I wanted to ask you about coming over from New England is Deron Harmon. The Raiders, I feel like, have a lot of expectations for him this season. What can you tell us about him as a player? Yeah, so we kind of nicknamed him in, in New England as the closer because he always came up with the big interception or, or fumble recovery at the end of games to seal games. So he was like a, a closer in baseball. Really smart, physical player. Um, was part of a great secondary at Rutgers, and the, the, you know the Patriots drafted pretty much that whole secondary with with Devin McCourty and Duran Harmon. Uh, ended up ended up trading for Jason McCourty. You know, Duran's just really smart. He knows how to get the pieces in place. He played all, kind of that, that that too high safety system here. Um, you know, just just a good player. I, I think that they probably, if it wasn't for salary reasons, they'd probably still want uh, Duran in in the uh, in Patriots uniform. And I think. Josh probably recognized those skills, and and when he was available, he went out and got them. 
You know, when, it's so funny you mentioned the closer, and I've been talking a lot about turnovers, and uh, I've asked multiple people about Jerron Harmon, including Bill Belichick yesterday when he talked to the media. Uh, I just feel like he he just knows where the ball is supposed to be. I see him always lining other guys up, not just himself, but lining other guys up saying, hey, if I can't get it, I'm going to tip it, and you'll have an opportunity. Is is that just – does that just go back to Jerron Harmon being the film studier that he is? Yeah, I think that and, and, and instincts too. Um, he's just just really smart, always around the ball. I think back to there was a, a, a Steelers game where he he picked off a ball in the end zone when it looked like the Steelers were going to go in and, and and win a game late. Uh, and he was always doing stuff like that. He was just, I think, it's just instincts more than anything because he's just always in the right place at the right time. Um, so really good player, really good leader. Um, yeah, we missed her on. Jim, just got a couple more questions for you. As far as Friday goes, that's the final preseason game for both teams. What are your expectations? Do you think that Belichick will roll out some starters, or do you think what they saw the last two days is good enough? I think uh, my, I don't know this for sure, but my prediction is that that Mac will probably play one or two series. Uh, I know Coach Belichick has talked um, during the joint practices with the Panthers and, and now this week with the Raiders that. He wants to use those practices in the game to kind of get everyone the same amount of work. And you saw Mac take, you know, a large majority of the snaps this week during the two joint practices. So I don't think he'll play much. I think you'll see a lot of Bailey Zappi and um, the backups in this game. I, I would expect the starters to play one, maybe two series at most. All right, Jim, for this game, if I want to sound smart to some friends and maybe give some tips <laughs> oh, about geez. a couple of Patriots players or this guy is playing for his job right now, who are some players to watch that are maybe competing for that for maybe making the team from this Patriots roster? Yeah, keep an eye on J.J. Taylor. His, uh, you know, he's, he's in a battle for probably that fourth running back spot. Um, really quick guy, has some, re- has some receiving and returning experience as well. But the Patriots drafted two uh, running backs this year and Pierre Strong and, and uh, Kevin Harris. So he's kind of in a battle for that, but he always seems to show out, um, you know, in the preseason, but he's never been able to kind of crack the depth, the depth chart during the regular season because the Patriots had a, a strong one at running back. So he's a guy that's going to be playing for a job. He belongs on the NFL roster, whether it's in New England or somewhere else, but uh, that's, a, that's a guy to really keep your eye on. Final question for you, Jim. We get to see the Raiders every single day. We saw them throughout the course of training camp. You obviously see the Patriots every day in training camp. Where, where, what do you think after seeing two days of just the Raiders going out there and competing? Do you think this team has a chance to be a good team this season? Uh, I really do. I think they have a lot of good weapons. You know, I never, I've never been that up close to see uh, Devontae Adams play before. I've seen him, you know, obviously on film and, and, and on television. But, man, he's such an impressive player watching him live. Um, the way he's, the way he accelerates off the line, the way he changes speeds, uh, the way he sets guys up. Um, you know, Derek Cow obviously targeted him a lot the last two days, and I'm sure he's going to do that a lot during the regular season. So, um, really excited to see him. Uh, really like the way Max Crosby and, and, and Chandler Jones are going to be playing off each other on the ends. I mean, there's there's uh, there's some really good quarterbacks in the AFC West, but they. They better have their chin straps buckled tight when uh, when those when, when the silver and black come because those two guys are really dangerous. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch throughout the course of the season. AFC West is going to be a monster, and we're here for it. We're excited about it. Jim, great stuff. Do you got anything coming out on the globe that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, we just have some, some uh, uh, training camp reports that, that, that we file every day, and we'll have our NFL preview coming up in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, make sure you check that out. 
talking about these joint practices with the silver and black. You want to do a little bit of a deep dive, but had to ask the question right there. We see the Raiders every single day. I started the show saying I think this team is going to be a really good team. A guy that's got to watch the Raiders for the last two days just said the same thing. I feel like this team has an opportunity to be really good. And even talked about Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. It's one thing to talk about Devontae Adams. You know he's going to be a really good player. He has an opportunity to be one of the best, right? But when you hear him talking about Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and that the, the other quarterbacks in the AFC West better have their chin straps uh, buckled up tight when, when the silver and black comes to town, I think that tells you all you really need to know. A lot of folks are believing this team has an opportunity to make some real noise in the AFC West and in the NFL. 2.47 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number one. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. The Raiders ranked 18th in points per game a season ago. Sixth in yards passing per game a season ago. And 28th when it came to rushing yards per game a season ago. So I asked you, Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Also, Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. You know what the Raiders offense looks like. You know the... The key cogs in it, you know if the offensive line is worth the salt, which I believe they'll find a way to be at least worth the salt, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that they could be any worse than what we saw from the offensive line, especially early last season. I definitely think they'll be improved from that. Where do you think they rank? I usually don't do a whole lot of statistical things, but when I saw that earlier today, saw the big discrepancy between yards per game and the passing game, sixth. And then 18th in points per game. I mean, that tells you the story of everything you need to know. And with all that being said, they still found a way to win 10 games and make it to the playoffs. Right? Even though they didn't do themselves any favors. You would think, at least I would, if you are passing the rock and you're sixth in the league passing yards per game, you would be better than 18th in points per game. I would think so. I could be wrong. I've never been one to tell you that I'm a genius. I sure as hell ain't no mathematician. But I, you know, just think that they would be better. And then, of course, the run game was horrendous. Ranked 28th out of 32 teams. And it really didn't come on until the last four games of the season when they needed it the most. And and credit to the O-line, credit to Josh Jacobs and, and the running game to be able to do that the last four games of the season. But, man, that was some tough sledding for uh, for the Raiders in their run game just a season ago. Yeah, Q, you mentioned you just said something there about, hey, you wouldn't expect the team with being six in passing yards to be that low down. Yeah. In the top ten of all teams that are in the top ten in passing yards last season, the Raiders ranked the lowest in points. No other team was below 26 points per game of the top ten in passing yards. There you go. There you go. Simple, simple as that right there. You know, it's just, it's just you would think that, again, with the league being a passing league like it is, if you're ranked as high as you are as they were in passing – yards per game that they would rank higher in points per game. So I want to ask you, again, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We have Beth Mowens coming up at the top of the hour. Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray. He said, Q&D, happy Wednesday, gentlemen. I'd like to follow up on today's topic. I think statistically the Raiders will end up right around fifth or sixth overall in points per game with the addition of Devontae Adams as well as new head coach Josh McDaniels calling the plays. Our running has to be right around 10th overall. No buts about it. What's important is that controlling the clock as well as converting first down to keep drives going. How many times did our offense stall due to a bad play calling and not being able to run the ball? Anywho, that's my two cents. Thanks for taking my text. As always, that's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And 
I think that was a good summary right there. And if you have points per game that are fifth or sixth in the league and your running is around 10th as opposed to 28th, uh, one, you have the ball for quite a while, you have some really good ball control, and you're scoring a lot of points. And that's all a recipe for success. Not to mention, you know who else that helps? That helps your defense. Not that I think the defense is going to be a, a, a liability, but it helps your defense as well. If you could do what Sir Whiskey Ray said, have a little bit of ball control, but also be able to punch it in when you have to instead of, instead of uh, you know, just settling for field goals. You got to punch that thing in there. But I like, I like what you're talking about when it comes to the run game as well. Definitely appreciate that. Raider Sean said, I, I don't know where they rank, but I will say this. We were real good at getting down the field. Some might say elite, but sucked in the red zone. From preseason alone, it seems that McDaniels has improved us on that. Now in the red zone with Devontae Waller and Renfro, sheesh, you know what? Top five, Raiders. And I'll say this, and me and Beth Mullins were talking about it earlier today. Between the 20s, they were fantastic. Boy, they could do no wrong between the 20s. But when you get to the, tw- the, the red zone, as you mentioned, Raider Sean, that's when it gets tight. When you get within the 10, it gets even tighter. Right? I mean, there's not a lot of room for error. And the problem with the Raiders a season ago, they made a lot of errors when they got down into the red zone. 2.56 at the time. When we come back, we'll kick off hour number two of the show. Beth Mowens, she'll join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.